We are all unique, and how each of us moves through life by working with the unseen, spiritual parts of us looks different. If one way you access support is through books, and you haven't tried the Soulquake Survival Guide yet, today's a great day to try it before you buy it. Head to the show notes where I have a link for you to receive a free PDF of the first chapter. Enjoy the first chapter, and if you love it, you can find it on Amazon Worldwide in paperback, audio, and ebook. Your journey matters, my friend, and reviving your connection to spirit in earth-shaking times can be a game changer. Through unique sharings from amazing souls around the world that will help you feel more inner freedom, clear direction, and inner strength to do what you have come to do, Enthusiastically Spiritual's mission is to help inspire more enthusiasm for you to follow through with your heart's desires. If you are inspired by this podcast and would like to help support it, please feel free to follow the show notes that say, support this show. Thank you so much and enjoy this episode. of living life, there are many beautiful experiences that go along with our journeys. The birth of children, the joy of coming together with loved ones, the countless milestones along the way. But what about the experience of death and the pain of grief that comes afterwards? My guest this week is here to shed some light on a subject that most people are not comfortable with. Her name is Sharon Brubaker. And she's a certified life coach and credentialed grief specialist. After a tragic drowning of her 10-year-old nephew, Austin, Sharon was heartbroken. She never thought she would feel normal again. She felt an overwhelming urge to fix her baby's sister. Little did she know at the time that Erica was not broken and did not need to be fixed. Just like her, she was simply grieving. Sharon searched everywhere for grief healing for Erica. She was lucky enough to find an educational program on grief and was so inspired by her own healing, she decided to become a grief specialist. Sharon is the founder of Grief Healing with Sharon, the premier online grief coaching program for women suffering from grief due to death. As a grief specialist, Sharon has helped hundreds of grieving women complete their own personal grief and come through the pain, isolation, and loneliness left behind in our hearts after death. Sharon was the host of her own weekly radio show, KHTS, The Grief Recovery Hour. In 2018, Sharon was honored to be the first ever grief specialist on the TEDx stage. Together, Sharon and Erica are the authors of The Healing Place and Processing Grief, the journal for the fresh new griever. She and Erica host a weekly podcast, Healing Starts with the Heart, available on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Sharon and Erica travel around the country and help grieving people everywhere. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you so much. And this is my favorite subject to be discussing. Grief. Oh, I have chills as as I even say that because mine too, because I have been through a lot of things like most people and we don't talk about this subject. So I am super excited you're here today. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm so honored that you guys uh, have me as your guests. So let's talk about grief because it comes up not only in death, but I've had grief in my divorce. I've had grief from my two older daughters no longer talking to me from other issues in life. So it's not just death, which is obviously a really big area we grieve in, but 
let's, I would love for you to talk a little bit about grief and how it affects us in different variations. So the main two ways that people usually attach the word grief to is death and divorce, right? That, that all makes sense. Or a little bit of breakup of a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. But there are 45 or more known losses that can cause a grieving experience in our heart. Mm-hmm. Divorce, breakup of a romantic relationship, bankruptcy, financial changes. Mm-hmm. Even the financial change of winning the lottery. You wouldn't think that that would be a grieving experience, but now you've got people calling you, asking to borrow money. You don't know how to manage the money. All of that can be a grieving experience. Mm-hmm. And then there's layers to the grief, right? So um, the death of your spouse, and now you've lost his income. Now you have to go out and work. You've been a housewife, let's say, for 40 years. Now you're trying to figure out a way to make up the income. Mm-hmm. Your daughter is struggling because of the loss of her dad, there's a layer there. Now you and your daughter are struggling together. There's a layer there. So there's layers to a grieving experience as well as all of the main experiences that we we discuss, you know. And grief is the feeling in our heart that something is just not right or a loss, a feeling of loss or loneliness that our heart feels. Mm-hmm. And so what about what we've been going through the last couple of years with the the pandemic and all, and the people who passed on and all of us who are still grieving for maybe the the previous life we had that is no longer there. I mean, that is huge. The, the, even the simple, the people that got locked down and were alone, right. One, one, one way. Also the uh, people that have lost their jobs, the people that couldn't be around their family. So for me, I'll just use my family as as an example. My husband is older than I am. So, and he is, his health is not perfect. So my husband and my mother was living with us at the time. So it was the three of us that got locked in together along with a cousin who happened to ask me if she could stay with me for a couple months. And then the pandemic happened. So it was the four of us all away from our family. She was away from her kids and her grandchildren. I could not allow because my mom's age, my brothers and sisters were not able to come over and they were struggling with the fact that I kind of shut things down, you know? So there was a struggle in the family. It's a grieving experience. Everything that you wish was better, different or more can cause a grieving experience in your heart. Wow. Yeah. And so, and talking about like energy, of grief in your heart and that energy that emanates from that. And I know for myself as an empath and a very sensitive person, I am feeling and have been feeling a lot of that, that I've had to really work on myself personally because, you know, I can take care of myself, but my goodness, like the collective energy of grief and um, how does that, how do you work with that and the people that come to you that are very open and sensitive and, and, you know, feeling a lot of what's going on? So one of the things that I loved about, I just looked at your website and you, you thoughts and feelings is what I broke down because that's a lot of the areas that I hang out in, thoughts and feelings, because our grieving experience can be intellectual, which is all in our brain, or it can be emotional. And the truth is this. So, so hear me out on this. I got to get you to drop down into your heart and feel those feelings because that's where the brokenness is. That's where the grief is. If I can get you down there and really allow those feelings in and feel it collectively, that's, that's where the change is going to happen. Unfortunately, some of us just can't do it. 
We just can't, we struggle there. And so it's it's me just walking you through step-by-step, step, just trying to help you understand because simply having this thought, right? You And these are things the world tells us. They give us a lot of these thoughts and we buy, buy into them. You never get over the loss of a child. Mm -hmm. right. You don't ever get over the loss of anyone. You go mm -hmm. through it. Mm -hmm. and you allow those feelings to be there um just give it time just give it time and you'll feel better and i i'll i often ask people grievers how much time how much time does it take to grieve and they all have an answer oh one year two years you know but what about um if we really did the work if we really allowed the feelings to be there what if we really sat in the sadness for one minute two minutes what difference would that make yeah. A lot in the difference of, uh, for us, as well as for those living close to us who are probably also grieving or in their, their stage or wherever they're at. And then, of course, like I said, the collective. Yes. You know? Yes. When you've gone through a total grieving experience, and this is kind of tough, but I'm going to say this because I feel that you will totally get it. You'll totally understand it. Is that um, when you've gone through it, in the beginning, this is not happening. You're you're in a zombie state. You you literally can't think. Your mind, you're asking yourself the one question over and over again. Why? Especially if it was why? Why? Um, and as time goes on, eventually what happens about the six-month mark and longer, you get to the point where you just absolutely can't stand the pain anymore and you gotta do something about it. But when you've absolutely done your work and you've completed the pain loneliness and isolation that's in your heart. My personal experience is there was beauty in that. There was beauty in me seeing Austin and seeing the um, the way he was taken care of and just the things that happened. I mean, I looked for what was going to happen. I just put it out there. And I was like, I'm going to trust that this is going to be taken care of. Things like they told me, you know, we wouldn't be able to get him back for six months and we had him back in a week. There's just the things that happened. And when you when you really look at it, you're like, wow, there is beauty in this experience. But you have to be healed to see that. Exactly. And I don't know about you, but like I've been through quite a few deaths. Yeah. And so it like each time, not that it gets easier, but it kind of does. And I, I kind of know what to expect and I know, you know, how to work through it. And I know one thing you talk about is that the griever needs to talk and be heard. Let's talk a little about that because that feels really big, Sharon. That is huge. That's huge. So let's say, let's say it's even, um, uh, let's say it's a divorce, for example. You, the, the griever needs to be, needs to talk about their brokenness. They need to have the right to say whatever they're going to say. Even the ugly. What if the ugly is, I hated her. I hated the way she treated me. I hated when she did this. What if those are your true feelings about your spouse, right? You have to have the place to say that without judgment. Not that I'm going to try to correct you. I'm not going to try to fix you. You just have to have that place to say it. So as important as it is for the griever to talk and say the ugly, they also have to be listened to and heard with respect. What does that mean? That means the listener needs to just keep their mouth shut. Just like you shared earlier, I was doing all of these things and saying all of these things to Erica because I didn't know. I didn't know that what she really needed was for me to just listen to her, right? Just say, I'm so mad. 
I'm so mad that he got carbon monoxide. I'm so mad that he went on this trip. I'm so upset about that. But every time she would say it, I would try to fix it. Well, you're not really mad, are you? You know, I would try to change it. And that's not what we're supposed to do. You just need to listen. Just zip the lips and let them say whatever. And my God, in our society, that's a hard thing for people to do, to just listen, right? <laughs> I mean, because in a lot of the work that Tom, my husband, and I do, when we do workshops and stuff, that's a big deal is allowing people to get up and talk or be heard in a, in a situation where you're not trying to fix. You're not trying to, you know, get in their way or, or put in your concepts and beliefs or understandings into what they're going through. Because in, especially with grief, I mean, everyone's a unique soul, so they're going through it differently. Here's the other thing. Something happens to the griever when they hear themselves say it out loud. Mm-hmm. When you hear yourself say the thing out loud, mm-hmm. your brain and your heart start to line up. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, okay, I get it now. And that's when you can start doing the healing because the heart is willing to accept it. And so that's a beautiful thing. And for us not to jump up and fix them is huge. And I know grief is also a normal and natural reaction to things we go through. Correct, Sharon? So can you imagine if we taught this in, in elementary school, in kindergarten? You know, typically the first grieving experience for a child, I'm not going to say typically, but most often is going to be that they lost their pet, right? So their dog is going to die or their cat's going to die. And a lot of times what we do in America, because we love our kids so much, we don't want them to feel pain. Oh, don't worry, on Saturday, mommy's going to take you to get a new dog. Oh, we're going to go to the pound. But you know what? She loved Joey. Joey slept in her bed every night. Joey was her friend. Joey was the one who listened to her secrets, even at five years old. She's got to be allowed to grieve Joey completely before we can replace the loss. If we started at a very young age, You know, by the time we're teenagers, when we really are grieving, right, everything at at junior high school is a grieving experience, to our adult age, we would be able to handle these experiences so much better. But that's not what happens. We try to fix, we change the subject, we cover it up, we replace the loss, we tell them to keep busy, we do all of the things that are not helpful for a griever. So in your work, do you also help children and teens? Yes, I do. But here's the deal. If I'm going to work with a child or I'm going to work with a teen, I need to work with the parents first. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure that the child is going back into a grief-knowledge home, right, where they understand grief and they're talking grief. Mm-hmm. If I pull a teenager out and I do a ton of grief work with him and it's beautiful and he completes his relationship with his dad who's passed on and he's in a beautiful place and then I send him back home, where he's getting some of this misinformation about grief, I have done him a disservice. So typically we start with the parents. And a lot of times, if I can work with even just one of the parents, I can help that parent help their own child. I can show them and walk them through the steps of helping their own child and having open communication with their child about grief. So it goes a couple of different ways, but it all depends on the situation. Of course. Right. And that totally makes sense because it, yeah, stems from like the, the person who's taking care of the child and their beliefs and how they come about things like that. So so it was the death of Austin that really started all this or have you been contemplating this beforehand? I was an event planner. 
Okay. <laughs> I was an event planner. I was a florist. I did weddings. I did specialize in that. I worked at a hotel. I was a director of catering and Austin died. And um, when I, um, I was actually selling real estate at the time and still doing my event business. So when I walked up the stairs to tell Erica that Austin, we had found him and he had in fact drowned, this thought went through my head is, I don't know how to grieve. I've never done this before. And the other thing that I knew is that I knew that there were these groups, but they were at the hospital and they were bereavement groups. Mm-hmm. And, but in my mind, right, they were for um, old people when they lost their spouse. I don't know why. That's what I thought. That was the extent of my knowledge on grief. Mm-hmm. That was it. And so I went out on a mission to find out everything that I could about grief. And the first thing I came upon was the five stages of grief, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And that's what my talk is on. I completely debunked the stages of, of grief that she put out um, and help society understand that we have to be able to talk about grief and talk about grief openly. And I did watch that TED talk and it was wonderful. What an inspirational talk that is. And so anyone listening or watching YouTube, you could check it out on, on your website. It's right on there, but just a powerhouse. Hello, go Sharon. <laughs> and you said Erica was going to do one too. Did she get to do one also? She, she's still working on getting um, picked up and getting her subject. So she actually is finishing um, her memoirs right now. And so on that, she's going to go after it. So if you saw that, then you saw that she lost a second child, um, Donovan, uh, 21 years old here in Texas in a motorcycle accident. And that's where the grief showed up a little differently. Mm-hmm. He showed up differently because here I am like, okay, again, I'm the one who has to tell her that Donovan has died. Um, and I just assumed, okay, we are grief specialists. We are, we know what we're going to do and we're going to do our program. And she was like, no, I'm not doing that. And she, anger showed up for her and she was mad and she was really I'm going to excuse my language, but pissed. Mm-hmm. And for, uh, she literally sat on the couch for almost a year in pain mm-hmm. and refused to let me know. She would say just enough so that I would think she was doing okay, but wasn't, wouldn't do the work. And finally it all just started to crumble. And I, together, she and I looked at that grief in a different way. And we, we realized that a lot of times people resist. We don't, it feels so bad. It is almost like you put your hands up and you push back. And so together, she and I created a new program called Processing the Pain of Grief, which we help the new griever just understand you're going to resist, you're going to react, and you're going to want to avoid this grief, but you've got to go through it. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, and each one is different. It's different. That's why we don't compare losses. We don't compare grief. So she's the, if I could say the poster child for not comparing grief, she's lost two boys, right? And years apart, and both of the grieving experiences showed up differently. In the same way, in between those losses, she and I both lost our father. And um, I was the oldest daughter. I was the one that took care of all of his medical needs. I took all the doctor's offices. We have a sister who's a nurse practitioner, so she had final say, but I was the one that did the grunt the grunt. And Erica was his the apple of his eye. She was like his perfect child. Well, he loved her to death. She was his favorite child. I mean, we all know that. We all knew it at that time. Erica lost that father. 
Mm. I lost the one that was a little stricter, that was more demanding, the more needs. I lost that dad. Mm. So here we were both standing at the uh, feet of his bed and he died. when he died, we both lost a different dad because we both had a different relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Areas that were incomplete with him that were different from each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so not only like you're saying the two different people for the same person that died has experiences, but back to Erica, when she had the the children died two, 10 years apart, she herself was in a different place too on her journey. So that had to come into play. Did that come into play with how she, you know, went through it because of where she was at and what she'd obviously, obviously been through with Austin. She'd already been through with Austin. And I think, I guess I would really have to, I don't want to speak on this. I'd really have to speak, but she did compare. We do compare in the sense of she looked back and goes, well, this wasn't like that. Immediately she knew it was different, but she wouldn't share it with me because she knew I would pick up on it. And partly she didn't know what was happening. It was so overwhelmingly different. Mm-hmm. She just didn't know. And the truth was, she was mad at Donovan because she told him not to buy the bike. She was mad at um, the world because she felt that, she was mad at the universe because she felt she had already given one and she handled it graciously. And here you came book it back to take another. Mm-hmm. She was mad at the people that showed up around her because there was no one that could fix this. So there were all these areas of anger that she was absolutely dealing with. And yes, here she was 10 years older and at a different place in her life and had gone through the loss of Austin. And, you know, we never imagined that it could happen again. You just, you just, you know, that's really weird because I've known people throughout my life that have lost several children. And I'm like, you know, why? I mean, like, I, I believe that all of our experiences, you know, make up who we are and we are here to to have experiences and some are going to be positive and some are going to be heart, you know, heartbreaking. But my God, yeah, there's people that do lose more than one child. I mean, it's unimaginable to even lose like one child, but then to lose two or that, you know, it's just, it's so interesting the journeys that people have and how they, you know, have to work through things. Absolutely, absolutely. I believe that, and Eric and I both believe this, that spiritually they all came together and they agreed that this would be their experience for sure. And that that- 100%. It's going to be their experience 100% and that her and Lewis took this on knowing that this would be. And that is also makes me really emotional because to me at some point, that's the beauty of it. There's beauty in that. It's that, man, you were strong enough to carry that. Mm-hmm. About that. You know, like you were offered this position as this was going to be your, t- this on this journey, this is what's going to happen. And they agreed to it. All four of them. I mean, I hate to say it. It's beautiful. Because yeah. it really is, Sharon. And that's like, that is the higher, bigger spiritual picture of, of us as souls and what we experience just like right now with not talking, both of my two daughters aren't talking to me because I went through divorce. Okay. So we did come together to experience that. And, and just like her and the boys, I mean, yes, I a hundred percent agree and believe that. I believe it a hundred percent. And that's the one thing that gives me calmness sometimes because I know we'll see them again. I very much know we'll see them again. And I know that I know we're all connected spiritually and that's how this path is going to go. Even when I shared with you before the show started, um, my daughter just gave birth to twins. They're five months old now. When they got here, I thanked each one of them for picking us and that I don't know what this is going to be like. And I said, 
thank you for picking me because they picked us. That's beautiful. Oh my gosh, you got me all emotional. <laughs> I'm feeling it too, Sharon. Um, because one of my daughters had a baby and, and handed over for adoption. When mm. I met that baby, it looked me in the eyes before we handed it over to the new parent. And I, I knew that soul, Sharon. And I know I'm going to meet it again. So same with you and the boys and anyone, you know, we are just, we're just passing through where we're, we come, come again in different forms and different times, but I am so feeling you big time with that. <laughs> and that is a, a lot, a lot of times I don't, in the beginning, I don't talk spiritual uh, relationships with a lot of the, the, uh, my clients. I wait to see where they're at. And someone's to have the conversation with me about the spirituality of death and grieving that part of it. But they're, they're waiting for me to say something, but when they do, man, it's so beautiful, especially when they get um, signs from their loved ones. Such beautiful signs, you know, that they get, that they are clear that their loved one has, has sent them the sign. And it's just amazing. And you're, and when you've done your healing, your heart is so much ready to receive it. So much more open. Yeah. And knowing, cause I, I do a lot of events and expos and things like that. And so I come across a lot of people telling me a lot of things and a lot of it is, you know, I see my aunt or my dad or my mom or loved ones and it is so comforting. I know for myself, my dad died when I was 23. So I was really young. And two years later, I had my first daughter and he came to me in a dream. He was holding her and he told me what she was like, what, what she was sex wise and also what to name her. So, and I mean, confirmation, like I just knew it was him, Sharon, in a dream. So yeah, it's beautiful when we have these connections with um, in the spirit realm with our loved ones and they happen all the time. They can happen in different ways. Like I'll tell you, this is a funny one. One time I was walking through um, like a hardware store and all of a sudden I smelt fried chicken. I'm like, what the? And I look around. I mean, literally there's no one even around me. I'm like, it's grandpa. So when grandpa was alive, we were in Orange County and we'd take grandma to go to, um, to Disneyland. And we always had to get him a bucket of KFC on the way home. So sure enough, grandpa told me he was there with letting me smell KFC. And I was like, oh, that was, it was just, it just warmed my heart. So the confirmation that our loved ones, they're not dead. They're just on the other plane. Yeah. I have a beautiful, beautiful client and um, she lost her mother, uh, Joy. I want to tell her that I'm sharing about this, but her mother has a fragrance, uh, a fragrance that smells like roses. And quite often she'll tell me, I walked in the room and I could smell her perfume. And even her husband has said he he'll go in and then come and get her. And so um, it is a beautiful experience when you know they're that they're there. Yeah, and, and you know, and that and like I said, it happens in all kinds of different ways. So it, it is so amazing though, and it's amazing when your clients do go there because that is a big part of the healing. I I feel it was for me when people had passed on. Yeah, hundred percent, a hundred for sure. When uh. When Donovan died, I said to Erica, I was at her house and this was the week that he had died. And I was like, you always have this many dragonflies around. She goes, I've never seen a dragonfly. And I'm telling you, they took over the her property. Like they were all over. And ever since he has been gone, the dragonflies are just showing up everywhere. So yes, they show up. They, they show up. They give us the signs they want to. Without a doubt. So let's talk, Sharon, about how you support people in the work that you do. So one of the first things that I do is what we were talking about earlier. So when the griever comes to me, 
they're dying to talk. They really are. And so I really just open up and say, tell me what brought you here today. And sometimes it can start off a little quiet, but before you know it, it's there, you know, it's just, they're, they're able to share that. And so it's number one is talking and allowing them the place to talk and us being the listener with the heart, with ears that are just no comment. Then I walk through the definition of grief. So we need to understand grief completely. Grief is normal. Grief is natural. Every single person here on earth will have multiple grieving experiences throughout their life, not just death or divorce. They will have other grieving experiences. So then we start having them understand that. And the third step is that we review their relationship with their loved one. And we look at what are the things you still need to say to them? What are the things that you wished you had a chance to say? What are the things that you really wanted to say that you wouldn't have said out loud? And I just put them through a review of the relationship. And so you'll hear a lot of times people talk about closure. Eric and I don't buy into closure at all. We blot, we really talk about um, completion. So when Austin got here, the day Austin was born, I was at the hospital. Austin and I walked this journey together and he was only supposed to be here for 10 years. And now when we look back at his relationship with that relationship, some of the things he said, we knew, you know, now it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. So for that 10 years, I walked with Austin as his aunt. And he, a funny thing about Austin is that he would tell people that my husband was the richest man in the world which I'm here to tell you is not true, but he loved everything about my husband. My husband was a stuntman. My husband rode horses. My husband had, drove a dually truck and had a tractor. Everything Austin was in love with. And so there were many times Austin would be at my house for a very long time. And we had a beautiful relationship together. But on the day when Austin died, my journey with him was cut short. And so now it was up to me to complete the journey and come full circle. We have to complete the journey of the loss and come full circle. And that's what we do is we help them work out that relationship. Oddly enough, a lot of times before we can get to the relationship of the, um, of the loved one that, that we've lost, sometimes we have to work out another relationship. It's not uncommon for grievers to have to work out their relationship with their dad, or they may have had another loss 30 or 40 years ago that they've never worked on. And so we look at for, we look for everything and we help them complete all those areas. Um, a, a person who's completed a journey feels lighter. They don't feel weighed down and heavy. Uh, they can look at photos of their loved one without crying. I can talk about Austin all the time. I can share stories about him. And yes, there are some times that tears may still come. Erica surprised me the other day and played a video of recording of his voice right when the podcast opened. She totally got me. And so, yes, there are times where tears will still come, but I live my best life because they were on this journey with me. And that's, that's what uh, healing should look like, right? Boy, I tell you, I, I think that you and Erica should be in every single, I know you probably hear this all the time, every single um, mortuary and, you know, bereavement place because, man, some of the people in those places, Sharon. So like when my brother died a couple years ago, we went in there and he was kind of a loner guy and he didn't really have a lot of friends and really he had just my, my mom and I because my dad had passed away years before. 
And so, you know, I'm in there and of course I'm crying. Mom's crying. We're trying to get through this. And the guy's like, well, and I'm trying to tell the guy, you know, all we want is cremation, yada, yada. He's like, but don't you want a service and call it? Oh, I'm telling you, Sharon, they were on me. I'm like, I mean, I literally almost had to scream at him and go, he had no friends. And then of course I was crying more because David had no friends. You know, we were all in connection. So boy, I mean, just the, I don't know, what's the word I want to say? They're in, they're not even compassion. Oftentimes, I feel like like my my very best girlfriend of fifteen years passed away a couple of years ago, and I went to the funeral home with her daughter. They tried to sell us an eleven by fourteen photo of her, a necklace, and some certificate, and we were just looking for cremation, just like you. So the truth is that um, you know, be open to the idea that they, they're doing their business, but you're also doing your business. And I want to say this for all of you listeners. We can shop around. You don't have to go to that one place. Please shop around. There's plenty of places out there that will listen to you and give you the parts that you want. But uh, they're in the business of selling the things we need. And here's the thing. We get there and our hearts are so broken. Of course, we want the best, right? There's another layer to the grieving experience. Just like I was talking, it's another layer to the grief experience. Well, I didn't buy it, Sharon. I didn't get nothing but the cremation. (laughs) And I said, when can I come back? Because I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But I hear what you're saying. So yeah, again, you guys are much needed or a million of you maybe. (laughs) You probably hear that too, right, Sharon? Like, you know, you can only do so many. It's like, okay, how can we you know, take and just spread you guys out everywhere to support because this is so needed. It's about changing the conversation on grief. That's really what it is. And Eric and I share that all the time that we're going to do this until the day we're no longer here so that this conversation gets changed. Here's the other thing I think is so um, eye-opening for us is that all of us collectively, like you're talking about, have all gone through a grieving experience the last three years. Mm-hmm that have taken place. So how many grievers are out there due to that, due to COVID losses, right? Or uh, subsequent, that that one lost, the spouse lost to COVID and the other one died shortly afterwards. So there's a lot of that that happened, right? So now is the time that we need to have this conversation. We need to be having this conversation. It is truly about completing the beautiful relationship that you've always had. And Sometimes it's the tough relationship you've had. You still need to complete those too. You know, if you if your thought is I really hated her, you need to complete that, my friend. Because <laughs> if not, it's going to come back and it's going to weigh on you, or it's going to cause cancer, or it's going to yes, like there's lo- lots of layers to that, right? Yes, a lot of layers. It's gonna grief is going to find a way out. That's what Erica always says. It's going to find a way out for sure. And we don't want it to eat our insides and then come out. So. <laughs> Pass on that, right, Sharon? <laughs> yeah. Well, your work and Erica's work, I'm just so in awe of, and I'm so happy you came on today. And before we go, I want to talk a little bit about your beautiful podcast, Healing Starts with the Heart, because, oh my gosh, I just love that name. Oh, thank you so much. Erica actually came up with that. And that is, it's a, it's such a fun time for her and I. And the other thing that happens is that we'll be talking to um, a griever somewhere along the way and they'll struggle in something. And we were able to put that in together and show it in the podcast. A lot of times people will listen to our podcast for weeks on end before they even get in touch with us. It is the fastest way for us to put information out. 
We talk about divorce, we talk about death, we talk about health, we talk about sex, we talk about the pandemic, we talk about COVID, we talk about politics, we talk about uh, Black Lives Matter and the grieving experience. We talk, there, there's no subject that, the, that grief does not touch, right? We go into all of the different areas there, which is really cool. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, again, thank you so much, Sharon, for coming on today. And um, let's talk a little bit, first off, another little bit, is how people get in touch with you. So they get in touch with me at SharonBrewBaker.com. You can email me at Sharon at SharonBrewBaker.com. Kaylee starts with the heart on YouTube or on any of wherever you get your podcasts. And simply just putting in Sharon Brewbaker, I will pop right up. And so that's the best way. Beautiful. And of course, I'll have all those links in the show notes, listeners and watchers. So you can check out Sharon and her amazing, amazing business. So thank you again, Sharon, for coming on today. Thank you all for listening in on another episode of Enthusiastically Spiritual. It was so amazing to have Sharon here today talking about grief, the process and how to get that support you need as you go through it. So if you've not subscribed, please make sure that you subscribe to this podcast because it comes out every Tuesday and you don't want to miss any upcoming episodes. Also, make sure that you like it and please share it with your friend. Let others know about this amazing podcast and all the beautiful guests that come on and share their services. So until next week, please remember that life is too short to not be enthusiastic about your unique journey. Believe it or not, when you arrived back for another life, you were enthusiastic to be here. If you've lost that enthusiastic feeling, well, there's a way to reawaken it. It's by embracing a bigger spiritual picture of your life as a soul and igniting the feeling of spiritual freedom within. So if you are ready and needing some more enthusiastic mojo for your life, follow the link in the show notes where you can access a free video series created by the Wayshowers College and start recapturing the enthusiasm you have within for your unique journey.